We all know you snooze through a few of your classes. Shane Norling has got you covered. All the college games you're watching. Auburn's gonna win the football game! Auburn's gonna win the football game! Plus the ones you didn't know you needed to care about. Can you believe what you just saw? Oh, he has trouble with the snap! Welcome to Snorling You. on the Captain Jay Hood podcast, Shane Orling with you. And it's a bit like that commercial uh, where they're going to space and the astronaut is a Notre Dame fan and he's watching the Notre Dame game because there's just never too much college football. Even in the offseason, even a week removed from the national championship game where Georgia slaughtered TCU, I can jump on here and give you a quick rundown of some of the biggest nuttiest stories that are coming out in college football. And I've got one for you that is collegiate, that's Big Ten relevant. I've got one for you that's a mix of college and pro. Uh, I have then on a way too early top five for 2023, which, again, way too early. But I'm never afraid of putting an opinion out there. And I'll even give you where I think there's value if you want to bet the national championship this early on. But obviously... When it comes to college football and what's been going on for the past couple of weeks, the only place to begin this is with Jim Harbaugh. And now it was announced yesterday, time of taping right now, uh, early morning on Tuesday the 17th. Uh, so it was announced yesterday uh, or Sunday evening, so the 15th, I think. Sunday evening came out. Jim Harbaugh made an announcement through University President Santa Ono that he would be returning officially as the University of Michigan's head football coach after he interviewed with the Denver Broncos. The NFL, in my opinion, in my estimation, in the way that we can evaluate the news cycle, once again decided, we don't want you. Go back. And so Harbaugh released a statement through Santa Ono and through himself uh, saying he'll be back at the university. What was really interesting, and admittedly, I am a Michigan State guy, so this is like I detest this school, this coach. I detest everything about this story. I do think this is the best thing for Michigan to get this coach back. Uh, I think it's good for the rivalry with my school if they can get off their ass. That's beside the point. But I do think that this is the best thing for Michigan and that it's good overall for the university. But it is interesting when you go through the Santa Ono announcement from the university president saying, we are excited Jim Harbaugh be back, and I'm going to pass this on to Ward Manuel myself. We'll let Ward Manuel, the athletic director, I'm going to pass this on myself. Huh? And then Harbaugh comes out, and his statement makes no mention of Ward Manuel, the athletic director. It does mention University President Santa Ono by name, saying he'll return, and finishes with the following quote. As a wise man told me, don't out happy happy. Yeah, dude, you sound thrilled. Now, again, this is the best thing for the school. To have him back, to have him in charge of this program, two consecutive playoff appearances. I mean, they should absolutely be the favorite to win the Big Ten next year. Um, things would have to go just completely sideways, like multiple injuries. The schedule's soft. Multiple injuries. Uh, just crazy bad luck for Michigan not to win the Big Ten next year, especially with what Ohio State looks like in terms of playing them. Um 
I think it, 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 Michigan should be a prohibitive favorite in terms of winning the Big Ten next season. So this is the best thing for the school. The question is, if you're Michigan, how long do you put up with this? This is the same guy, Jim Harbaugh, who last season, after the first playoff appearance, when they got smoked by Georgia, went out, tested the waters. Could he go to the Raiders? Could he be in Vegas? And said, look, guys, you know what? I'm committing to the school. I'm committing to the university. The university gave him his money back, the money that they cut from his pay after the, he lost to Ohio State the year prior that. Uh, and really docked him, like, a lot of value. Give the money back after he makes the playoff, after winning the Big Ten, after beating Ohio State. And he tests the waters with uh, Vegas, doesn't work out for him, comes back home, makes a commitment to the school, promises, this is actually a legit fact, promises, I will not go looking for NFL jobs again. One year later, gets bounced out of the playoff, is out dancing on a table looking for an NFL gig. At what point, if you're the university, do you just go, look, man, here's a lifetime contract. We're going to take care of you for as long as you want to be here or until you're in the ground. And we're going to pay you whatever you want, blank check, just commit to us. No more flirting with the NFL. No more going out to the bar, talking to girls, seeing if any of you want any of them want to go home with you, and then coming back to your wife at the end of the night when they all say no. No more of this. We're going to put the lifetime deal on the table. We're going to put an enormous buyout on it. And you're going to be the head coach of the University of Michigan until either you stop working or you're in the ground. That's it. If I were Michigan, that's what I would do. I would be absolutely tired of every single offseason you have to do this stupid song and dance because this guy can't decide if he's happy. And I'm sorry. If the quote in your announcement that you're returning to Michigan is don't try to out happy happy, you're not happy. You sound miserable. You won't name the athletic director and Santa Ono has to pass the statement along. Dude, you hate it there. It, it, it's the equivalent of uh, uh, two. It's like a loveless marriage where, you know, you, you're both on the mortgage. You're splitting payments on the car. You have responsibilities that you're both attached to. And it's just most convenient for you to stay together. Because even though you don't love each other and you haven't banged in six years, you get more satisfaction in life and more success in life being together than you would if you tried to rough it on your own. Because Michigan, to me, could easily just say, look, man, you want to go to the NFL that bad? Goodbye. Good luck. We hope you get a job. You don't have a home here anymore. They don't want to do that because he's their plastic Jesus and he's taken them to the playoff two consecutive years and he's finally winning the Big Ten consistently and finding a way to beat Ohio State consistently. I don't blame them. I would bring him back as well. But the point I'm making is if you're Michigan, at what point do you just go, look, man, enough. Here's a hefty contract. Put your name down. You're going to stay here till you're dead. And that's that. No more of this flirting with the NFL. So... That's how I feel about the Jim Harbaugh situation. Uh, honestly, even as a Spartan, I'm glad that he's coming back because I have friends who are Michigan alums, and this is the best football they've seen in, in two decades. So it's good for the rivalry in that 
look, we're not picking on the dark ages anymore. This isn't the the dumpster fire Brady Hoke team or the dumpster fire Rich Rod team. This is my school, Michigan State, has to actually swim in the deep end of the pool and come up to meet this product. And if they can accomplish that, great. And if not, then I'm going to hold their feet to the fire because it's not acceptable to continue being in the shallow end and to accept being little brother. That That can't happen. So for me, like... This is good for the university. This is good for the Big Ten. This is good for the uh, program being Michigan. This is the best thing possible. But if I were that school, all right, man, enough. Time, time, to, time to just commit to us long term. Uh, the other story I wanted to offer you that I think has kind of taken hold of the NFL draft. So it's a mixture here, college and pro, because the NFL draft, if you are new to betting, is one of the best events to bet. Um, not a lot of like over-unders, which you'll see pop up quite a bit. They're not really out there yet. Uh, but one thing that you can find, depending on what book you're looking at, is 2023 NFL Draft number one overall pick. And boy, do I have a doozy. I have placed a sizable wager on this. I'm not handing this out as some like shot in the dark that I'm not going to bet. But hey, it could be valuable. No, no. I have put a large amount of money on this coming home. This is something that I firmly believe could happen, and I could be wrong, but I'm just giving it to you as an option. If you want a little action, you want a little juice on the number one pick in the NFL draft, you want to feel something come April when those chimes hit, I'm going to offer you this. Will Levis, number one overall, currently 14-1, to depending on where you're looking at. 14-1 to value on a guy who's... Look, I think he's terrible. Full disclosure, I don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, but he's projected as one of the three best quarterbacks in the draft. And there's a team that's projected to trade up with our Chicago Bears for the number one pick. Who's that team? The Indianapolis Colts. To me, it feels written in the stars that Chris Ballard and more particularly Jim Ursay make the move up to get the kid out of Kentucky who a lot of people are pimping as the most pro-ready guy who you know is going to have the Zach Wilson uh, dome highlight tape throwing 70-yard passes on a dot to a guy in an empty dome wide open. There's no defense. They're running just a regular post route, and he's got all the arm strength in the world. It's going to be the same big kid, looks good, pocket passer archetype that the Colts have been looking for in veteran quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, for the last three, four years since Andrew Luck retired. This is one to me. Ursay trades up to get the number one pick, and Ursay takes Will Levis. And whether it works out or not, I'm of the opinion that it won't because I think he's terrible. I just I have a I have a hunch. I have a feeling that this is where it's going to go and this number's already moving down. It was 22 to 1. It was then 20 to 1. Now it's 14 to 1. So you're already catching the worst of the number. I would bet it's going to continue to shorten. And by the time we get to the actual NFL draft, like when it the calendar turns to March, when you start seeing pro days, when we start seeing things like the senior bowl, the results out of the uh out of the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl, and we start seeing pro days, and then the Combine, I would bet you see this number close closer to 3-1, to one, that Will Levis is the number one pick in the draft. So that's the other story I wanted to offer. Um, 
as far as the way too early top five and a little bit of value in my estimation that may surprise you on who could win the national championship in 2023. Keep in mind, this is basically useless information because it is so early, but I do think there's a a number I would attack a little bit if I were looking at the board and I felt like just getting some early action in. So my way too early top five, number one is going to be Georgia, of course. I know Stetson Bennett's gone, but they bring back Brock Bowers. They have a kid in waiting. I mean, it's Georgia. They're going to reload. And we all know that at this point, Georgia is kind of uh, the, the peak of college football. They are the shining diamond in the sport. They're at that point where it's like Alabama's prime. They're just going to reload whatever leaves, and they're going to bring it back. There's no reason Georgia shouldn't be number one. Number two, most people are going to tell you Alabama. I don't agree, and I'll tell you why in a moment, but I think it's actually Michigan. And I think a big part of why is, one, we now know there will be consistency at coaching, and two, you're bringing back the quarterback. And as much as I think J.J. McCarthy's not what he was sold, I mean, he was sold as like this generational type of talent, and instead he's just kind of okay, um, he's going to get better next year. And he's going to have a larger opportunity I believe, to be let loose and actually throw the ball rather than hand it to Blake Corum 30 times, who, by the way, is also coming back. I just think Michigan has such a level of consistency in what they're going to bring back and the ability to bring up dominant offensive lines. To me, Michigan is the number two team in the country. Uh, Alabama then is going to be third. Look, the secondary being as bad as it was was not like a mistake. And as much as like... Like, Michigan State's a perfect example for this. The secondary for Michigan State was horrible. They went out in the transfer portal and in the NIL market, and they paid. They bought a secondary. And do you know what it was? Horrible. It's really hard in college to go and find the kids, even in the transfer portal, even with NIL, where you can just overhaul a unit in a season. And unless Alabama sees marked improvement in their secondary, I don't see how they're going to be great again. That goes into saying they're also breaking in a new quarterback, whether that's uh, uh, Jalen Milrow or the other kid, Ty, whatever, whose name escapes me. I just don't feel like Alabama's going to be in a position where they're going to fix enough that went wrong this year and also accommodate for the fact that, look, they're losing their best players in Will Anderson and Bryce Young, and I know that they're going to reload, but that's a lot to overhaul from a team that, wasn't that good. And it still puts them at three in the country. It's Alabama. It's Saban. They're going to recruit at a high level. They're going to bring in transfers. They did it with Jameer Gibbs. They're going to do it again. It's just the way it goes. I think by the time we get there, Alabama's one, two, or three. Um, So I'm not going to knock them too much. I just think there's so many questions on the roster and so many real concerns, particularly with the secondary, particularly with the sloppiness of the play that we saw last season. And really, how long does Nick Saban have left? Georgia has taken over the SEC. I don't know if this is going to just be the same Alabama income in number one every year. I I feel like we're kind of past that at this point. And I'm, so I'm putting Alabama at three. At number four, Ohio State. This probably has the biggest upside of any team here. Ohio State could be premier. Um, their betting odds for the national championship are just too short. They're they're listed like one of the true favorites, and I don't see how that can be a possibility. Uh, losing Stroud, one of the better quarterbacks in the history of the school, to have them listed with the third best, best odds at plus 700, I, I don't see how you can get there. Obviously, the big thing is Marvin Harrison Jr. is back. Um 
that's huge, but you're still breaking in a new quarterback in Kyle McCord. And you just don't ever really know how that goes. A couple question marks that exist with Ohio State as well. Ryan Day is bringing in a play caller, if you believe some of the reporting. We got to see who that is, if that's successful. I think it's probably net good just to keep Ryan Day from calling the plays because that kind of went sideways on them, both against Michigan and in the bowl game against Georgia down the stretch. Um, but overall, like Ohio State is going to be very good. There's just always a little bit of nerves. You're breaking in a kid in Kyle McCord who may not be C.J. Stroud, who may not be Justin Fields, and we have to kind of wait and see. It's I'm not like saying he's going to come out and be terrible, but he's probably going to need a little bit of break in time, which is why non-conference exists, and we'll see how it goes. To me, Ohio State's fourth in the country. And then rounding out the top five, as much as I hate to do this, Drew Aller is coming in. And if he's anything that he's supposed to be after being seasoned behind Sean Clifford on the bench, Penn State is one of the five best teams in the nation. Now, to me, this says more about just how bad and dire college football situation is. Because if you look at this list, my way too early top five, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State. Only the top four there can actually win a title to me. Penn State, just the James Franklin deal, I never will buy it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And anybody who's just outside of this has a lot to work on. Like, LSU's got to replace some stuff. LSU, Florida State, we don't know if Mike Norvell can get the magic back that he had a year ago. Uh, USC, always see Heisman winners regress a little bit that second year. They almost never win it again in Caleb. And the defense... I mean, you have to replace 11 players, basically. It was one of the worst defenses in college football. One of the worst defenses I've ever seen, especially in that game against Utah, just refusing to tackle. Uh, when you go to the teams that are outside of this grouping, like Oregon, you go to the Pac-12 powers who traditionally don't compete on the big stage with the Big Ten and the SEC, of course. And Clemson, I mean, good God, could there be a team with more questions? I think you look around and you just kind of feel like this is a four-horse sport. You have Georgia, you have Michigan, you have Alabama, you have Ohio State. And maybe there's somebody like TCU who I would rank outside of the top 10 going into the next season. Somebody like that who comes out of nowhere and ends up in the top four. Maybe. But more than likely, I think there's just four teams that can win. And by the time we get to the national championship in 2024, we're going to be saying there were only one or two teams that could win. Um, but the one that I would throw money on, if you were just wanting to attack a board and get a little bit of what I would say is value on national championship odds, uh, FBS championship 2023-24, depending on where you look, Michigan's 12-1. to 1. To me, that's an absurd line. They are being put behind Ohio State in the odds. Again, I think they're better than Ohio State. I think they should be a prohibitive favorite to win the conference. And I think they should be a prohibitive favorite to make the college football playoff, quite frankly. Um, and and maybe they get on the field and we see the same thing again and they just get sledgehammered by Georgia because they don't have the size and they can't compete. And that could happen. But at 12-1 to 1 for a number that by the time we actually get to the season, you're going to see hovering around 4-1, to 1, maybe even less than that. I mean, I think they closed, what, plus 150 this year? I would start looking at Michigan now at 12 to 1 and just go, hey, I'm going to forget about this pizza or beer money or whatever you want to do with it. It's a full year. It just sits in there. I understand it's a long term investment for the book, but look, 
12 to 1, you're not going to see a better number on Michigan. So if you want to just attack a board and you see a number that you really like, that one sticks out to me. Michigan 12 to 1 to win the national championship in 2024. Um, that's all I got for snorling you this week. I will be back with more draft stuff. We'll see if I get any college football out there for the or college basketball, excuse me, out there for the people as we wind down um, and turn closer to March Madness. But that's all I got for you today. Cap J Hood Morning Show seven to ten. Shay Norling with you on Snorling You.